And I'm definitely a geek. I got the chance to have dinner with a friend of mine this week. You know, we hadn't seen each other in a couple of years, and it was really great catching up with her. But there was an incident that kind of made me realize something about myself. I keep forgetting my wallet at home. Now, I've discussed this on previous episodes, but over the past few years, I've moved to paying with Apple Pay, probably 90, 95% of the time. I use it mostly on my Apple Watch, but I also use it on my iPhone 10 as well. And having support at so many stores across Japan, plus being able to ride the train and even pay for bicycle parking sometimes means that I find little reason to carry cash with me. And nearly any convenience store will accept some form of Apple Pay, and I've slowly learned which supermarkets and 100 yen stores I can go to where it's supported. It's quick, it's convenient, and it's safe. And I can charge my Suica right on my phone through my bank account, and it makes it so easy to keep track of my spending. And yet, I arrived to meet my friend and quickly realized that I had left my wallet at home again. And now in my weak defense, I had been in a rush to get out the door and I had grabbed a bag to go with my outfit that I don't usually use. And I forgot to transfer both my WiMAX router and my wallet to the new bag in the process. And now normally, you know, this wouldn't be a problem. I'd know where to go or I'd just keep looking until I found a place that supported Apple Pay. But as we wandered around, it quickly became apparent that I'd found myself in a situation of being in an area where no restaurants supported any kind of contactless payment. This really surprised surprised me as the station area we chose to meet is fairly big and popular. There's a couple malls and it's right by some tourist attractions, so I was a little shocked that I couldn't even find one restaurant that takes Apple Pay. I guess I'm just used to going to places and being in areas that have a lot of contactless payment support. Anyway, after about 20 minutes of pretending to be indecisive about what to eat, actually I was only half pretending, I really am the type to take about an hour to pick a restaurant, I ended up admitting to her reluctantly that this was what the situation was, and after an awkward laugh or two or ten, we ended up at a nice and really healthy restaurant, and she agreed to cover the costs this time, which, of course, gives us a perfect excuse to go out to dinner again, and next time, I'll make sure to pick an area that has lots of places to eat where I can pay for dinner with Apple Pay, or maybe I should just start leaving a couple thousand yen in the three or four bags I rotate between on a regular basis. Anyway, arigato momoko, and I'm really looking forward to our next dinner together. So now let's get to some news. Online shopping giant Rakuten has announced plans to form a new joint online venture with Walmart. In Japan, Walmart operates under the brand Seiyu, and since 2013, they have run Seiyu.com, that's S-E-I-Y-U.com, in conjunction with DNA, that's uh, D-N-A, spelled Dina, D-E-N-A. And sometime between July and September of this year, there's going to be a new site launch that's going to be known as Rakuten Seiyu Net Super, and super, right? So super. Super meaning supermarket, supermarket. Walmart is also going to, on the U.S. side, begin exclusive sales of Rakuten's Kobo ebook service in the United States sometime in 2018. So Rakuten and Seiyu have set up a new company in Japan, and they plan to operate Rakuten Seiyu Net Supa together, offering both delivery from current Seiyu physical locations, as well as establishing a dedicated delivery service for internet orders before the end of the year. Now, this is going to allow many people to have greater access 
to internet delivery of groceries to their home, and it may offer Rakuten a chance to compete with some of Amazon's services, such as grocery delivery service Amazon Fresh, which is currently available in select areas in Japan. I sure hope your area has been selected. As well as Prime Now, which offers one to two hour delivery on tens of thousands of products, including some groceries. And, you know, it's going to give Rakuten a boost against Amazon's Kindle service in the United States. Walmart's exclusive deal for Rakuten's Kobo will see Walmart selling ebooks on walmart.com as well as selling physical ebook cards in more than 4,000 US stores and having dual Walmart and Kobo branding on the digital ebooks app for smartphones and tablets is also going to be a huge benefit. You know, a lot of people shop at Walmart many of whom may or may not order from Amazon and they some of them might not use Kindle or have a Kindle or anything like that. So this might be a great way for Cobalt to actually get a foothold in the US market. And love them or hate them, I do kind of sometimes wish we had a proper Walmart in Japan. You know, Seiyu's great, but the locations are definitely nowhere near as big, expansive, or cheap as good old Walmart Supercenter. And every now and then I find myself wishing I could just pop down to Walmart at 3am to get some eggs, a new TV, and 42 pairs of tights. Not to mention that even though we have Costco, it'd really be nice to also have a Sam's Club here. Still, I'm excited to see where this partnership goes, and if they end up delivering to my area, I'm definitely going to try out the service and report back later this year. On January 27th, Japan's Supreme Court upheld the sentence of a driver who struck and killed a woman while he was operating a vehicle and playing Pokemon Go at the same time. The driver had requested for a suspended sentence, but was turned down, and now he must serve the two years and six months in prison. The incident happened in Kasugai City, Aichi Prefecture, in August of 2016. Reportedly, the driver was trying to plug in a charger for his phone, which was running Pokemon Go at the time, when his car veered into another lane and struck a 29-year-old woman who was crossing the street. She died in hospital weeks later. There was also a previous accident involving Pokemon Go, which involved a truck driver hitting a 9-year-old boy. The truck driver was sentenced to three years in prison. Now, news of the Supreme Court's ruling renewed online debate as to whether or not the punishment fit the crime, with some people wondering if he got off too easy. One commenter noted, quote, I don't know why killing someone with a car deserves less of a punishment as killing someone with a knife. Someone dies either way. But another noted, well, he didn't intend to kill the woman, though. I imagine the weight of his guilt would factor into his punishment. Nevertheless, as mobile devices continue to be ever-present in our daily lives, this debate is certainly far from over. By the way, speaking of Pokemon, it's hard left to make, but I'm going to tie it in somehow. Um, On a happier note, a few weeks ago, there was a fantastic report about how Nintendo and the Pokemon Company helped a young boy who was dealing with bullying and in the process made him a lifelong fan. He told a great story on Twitter about how Nintendo helped him out when a bully stole his Pokemon, um, and it was back in the Fire Red days on the Game Boy Advance. So if you want to check it out, there's it's a really sweet, moving story, I think, and I cried a little bit. So check out the link in the show notes. The Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency has announced plans to recruit eight people to live inside their simulated space station for two weeks as part of an experiment to determine accurate stress markers for astronauts who will be confined for long periods of time while in space. They are offering a salary of 380,000 yen for two weeks for the eight participants who are willing to be locked away from the outside world with none of their personal belongings in a section of the Tsukuba Space Center set up to recreate life on the International Space Station. Test subjects 
subjects will also be asked to perform various tasks while their stress level are measured, and each day one person will be evicted from the house. Wait, no, that's... Actually, this is Big Brother in space! No, 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 no one will be evicted. Um, and, you know, 380,000 yen is about 3,500 US. It's not bad for two weeks. And if I didn't already have a steady paycheck coming in, you know, I could use a few weeks by myself anyway. Side note, I've always kind of wanted to do Big Brother, although I think I'd probably go crazy. For someone who's as addicted to technology as I am, two weeks is probably the perfect amount. You can kind of get away from it, relax a little bit. I don't know. I'd probably, three months in a house, would I'd go crazy. Plus, the Australian version was always the best. I, I miss the Aussies. But I digress. Anyway, if you are in good health, under 55, and you want to register to be locked away for two weeks without Julie, Arissa, Gretel, or Davina, you'd better hurry. Registration on the Japan Clinical Volunteer Network application page closes at noon on January 31st. Fun fact, Logitech, the accessory manufacturer of speakers, mice, keyboards, etc., is actually known as Logicool in Japan due to a different company owning the rights to the name Logitech. That attempted rebranding to Logi or Logi or whatever they called it makes more sense now, eh? Anyway, Logicool has announced what appears to be a replacement for their now discontinued in Japan Keys to Go series of thin and light Bluetooth keyboards, which are intended for use with iOS devices. The IK1042 BKA portable keyboard, which is just 180 grams and is only six millimeters thick. Despite this, it's still rated at lasting three months on a single charge. One major difference between this model and the previous models is that an iPhone stand is included standard in the box. Now, having used the previous model before switching to an iPad Pro smart keyboard, I can attest that these are well-built, super light, and honestly a fantastic buy for anyone who needs a keyboard which can be paired to a variety of devices, unlike the smart keyboard which is limited to only the iPad Pro. The feel is very similar to Apple's smart keyboard, but unfortunately, Logical still hasn't fixed the one flaw for me personally, which convinced me to move over to Apple's offering, and that is that the keyboard is US English only. This may sound insane to a lot of people, but I actually prefer Japanese keyboards on all of my devices. I like the button placement, and for me, having dedicated one button access to switch between English and Japanese on the fly makes a huge difference, and it's something I would struggle to do without, frankly. As soon as Apple released a JIS smart keyboard for the iPad Pro, I leaped at it and never looked back. Still, if you don't mind the US English layout or prefer it even, and if the build quality remains consistent with their previous offerings, I cannot recommend this keyboard enough. It's really great. It's priced at 8,800 yen and it's scheduled for release on February 6th. Something that's been all the rage recently in Japan are checky. Now, checky are instant photos, kind of like Polaroids, but they're about half the size, maybe the size of a credit card. Actually, I mentioned in the past that I was an underground idol for a while. We have a show coming up in a couple weeks in Tokyo. I'll talk about that. Anyway, uh, it's very common to have bupan after the show. Bupan is merchandise time where you sell checky to and take checky with some of the fans. And while Fujifilm makes both Instax instant cameras for taking photos directly to the film, as well as an Instax photo printer that is able to be connected wirelessly to a phone for printing any photo instantly. It's very expensive, and it's certainly not affordable for most people, especially younger folks. Enter the Printos. Made by Japanese toy maker Takara Tomi, this little photo printer uses the same instant film that's made by Fujifilm for their cameras. But Tomi's offering needs no batteries. In fact, the way it prints the photos seems to be downright analog. 
And maybe that's how it should be, I suppose. To print a photo, you load the film into the printer, and then you adjust your smartphone's brightness to around 70 to 80% and make sure auto brightness is turned off. Then you just find the photo you want to print, put it on the screen, place your smartphone face down onto the supports that are included in the box. Now, based on the review I saw, the iPhone 7 and 8 size devices are going to fit perfectly, as will smaller phones, but something like an iPhone 10 or the Plus series iPhone models may get cropped a little, so you might want to find some way to size it down. And you click the shutter button on the on the device to expose the photo, and then you crank the little knob on the side to fire the photo out, and in a few minutes, you got a really cool instant photo. Now, while the brightness of your device may affect the quality of the print, if you get your settings right, the Printos seems like a fantastic device. Actually, it won Best Japanese Toy 2017, and at around 350 grams and only 4,000 to 5,000 yen retail, it's a very affordable way to get instant prints with a retro feel all from your smartphone. Seems like a great idea for younger folks, maybe teens, who can't afford a more expensive printer. And I checked, by the way, on Amazon US, and it's definitely a lot more expensive to get this outside of Japan. It ranges from around 85 to 90 US dollars, and at that price, I personally would simply recommend purchasing one of Fujifilm's Instax cameras, which are readily available in many countries outside of Japan, and those average around 50 to 60 US dollars. And my family actually bought a couple of these, and they stick them out at parties sometimes. People can just you know take the pictures and then take them home with them. It's great for weddings, parties, that kind of thing, so definitely check them out. But if you're in Japan, or you're coming to visit, you can grab a print-offs, if they're not sold out, because they're actually sold out on Amazon right now, at many electronic stores and online shops. With the Japanese release of Aresan, that's what I call Amazon's voice assistant in a can, Alexa, we now have data on exactly which skills were popular during the month of December. Unsurprisingly, Pikachu Talk ranked very high, taking the number two spot. Now rounding out the top five were Mameshiba, which is a skill that's based on the popular character of the same name, as well as Joy Sound Karaoke at number four, and Eki Shiritori, a word game involving train stations at number five. Also in the top 20 were things like Link Japan, which, when paired with a trusty IR blaster, allows you to control lights, the AC, and more, as well as an English quiz, an app for ocean wave sounds, Yahoo News, Yahoo Weather and Emergency Alerts, Recipe App Cookpad, JR East Train Information App, and of course, Hey Miku, where you can chat with popular Vocaloid character Hatsune Miku. As for what was number one, well, it's no real surprise to me, Radiko, radiko.jp, R-A-D-I-K-O.jp, is a very popular app which allows you to listen to live and time shift radio programs on computers, phones, and tablets. And that ranked as the most popular Aresan skill of December 2017 in a radio still very popular here. A lot of celebrities or or maybe uh, voice actresses, voice actors, that sort of thing. I mean, people still do radio programs. Um, singers, for example, lots of things. Um, my favorite singer, Sakamoto Maya, has a, a weekly radio show. It's been going on for a long time. And so it's still a thing here. And what's great is it, with Rajiko, you can actually time shift your programs. You can listen to things within a week of their airing. And you don't have to necessarily have a physical radio with you. So it's great. By the way, I actually ended up switching my echoes back to my old English account. As certain flash briefings, such as some of the tech ones that I enjoy, and skills such as Plex still are not supported even in English with an Echo that's registered on Amazon Japan last time I checked. Now, I do wish that I could have one Echo in my room that's set to Japanese and one to English, but unfortunately, 
they conflict with each other, as Aresan, when she said to Japanese, responds even when I use an English accent, and vice versa, when I said it in English and I speak in Japanese, she responds. She won't understand the Japanese, but she'll respond. It's really weird. I think I'll give things a few months to settle down before I give it a go again. As I mentioned last week, it's test season in Japan, and I ran across an incredible picture which shows the diligence, study ethic, ridiculousness of one student's history notes. The student in question did something rather incredible. They achieved a perfect score on the history section of the center test. And the center test is Japan's national university entrance exam, and it's one of the key factors in applying to and being accepted into university here. And based on the way that the student's book was, well, well loved, it's no surprise that there are some things that are just really hard to convey with words on an audio-only podcast. So check out the link in the show notes, or if you happen to be using an app that supports chapter markers and, and chapter artwork, like Overcast, for example, take a peek at the artwork right now for this chapter, because you can see what I'm talking about. But suffice it to say, the student took a copy of publisher Toshin's World History Edition of its Ichimon Itto series, which kind of loosely translates to one question and answer at a time, and they made it their own, literally. Some of the pages have more handwritten notes and post-it notes on them than actual content from the book. It's like covered to the point where you can't actually read the book. Sections are highlighted and color-coded, the edges are frayed, the spine is worn, and the book is definitely well-loved. As one Japanese tweeter commented, it's like a work of art. So congratulations to the student on their perfect score. I hope you'll keep that book on your shelf for decades to come and maybe add more to it along the way, or better yet, maybe add more to a future edition if you can try to get a job at the publisher once you graduate from university. It's story time, kids. No, actually, after all that test taking, it's time for a nice treat to celebrate. And since one of the big tests here in Osaka is scheduled to take place on January 31st, I suspect that many students will celebrate by going out to eat ice cream at Saati 1. 31, or what we call Baskin Robbins in Japanese. Actually, all the signs say Baskin Robbins in big giant letters, but the Japanese underneath it always says Sati One Ice Cream. So that's what everyone here calls it. Anyway, if you're in Tokyo and you're very hungry, uh-huh. One way you can celebrate is by heading down to the newly opened Very Hungry Caterpillar Cafe, based on the immensely popular book by Eric Carle. By the way, you can find a great video that I found of Eric Carle himself reading The Very Hungry Caterpillar in the show notes. Anyway, Japan definitely has a habit of turning popular media and characters into slightly expensive, but fun because of the ambiance, cafes. And with the book, and merchandise based on the book, incredibly popular here, it's no surprise that a cafe was bound to pop up. The cafe, called Harapeko Aomushi Cafe in Japanese, hopes to take the colorful world of the book and bring it to you on a dish. The menu will most likely change with the seasons, but right now some of the dishes include a very hungry caterpillar French toast, which actually appears to be a sandwich shaped like the very hungry caterpillar instead of actual French toast, as well as a lovely very hungry caterpillar, which is a matcha a milk drink with a spinach muffin and a caterpillar cookie. And of course, my favorite, this would be my choice, a very hungry plate, which presents you with all of the sweets from the caterpillar's big meal with a twist. The chocolate cake is actually rice. The ice cream is made of mashed beets and potatoes. The lollipop is really a cheesy Salisbury steak. And the cupcake is, in fact, spinach. 
Yeah. Still, that that kind of sounds good. And if you're hungry, very hungry, I should say, and you want to try out this cafe, you can head over to Maroniegeto Ginza in Tokyo from now until August 31st. It's train talk time! Oh yeah! Sad news from JR East this week as they have announced that they are ending service of their wicked cool Evangelion Shinkansen bullet train service. Evangelion, for those of you who may have never seen it, is one of the most famous and influential giant robot animes in the history of the medium, and JR's 500-type Ava project Shinkansen is modeled after the purple Ava Unit 01 piloted by protagonist Shinji in the series and the films. This special Shinkansen has been in operation for two and a half years, which is actually 18 months longer than it was originally scheduled to be, but I suppose all good things must come to an end, so if you're interested, you mustn't run away. Mustn't run away. Mustn't run away from this chance. And don't you dare wait until after May 13th when service is scheduled to end or Asuka will have some choice words for you. So I was going to talk about this concert that I went to a few weeks ago and then the whole Momokuro thing happened and I kind of got sidetracked. But I really want to talk about this because they were using tech in a really cool way. Um, so I went to see Moo Moon, which is a group that started in 2005. And there's two members, Yuka and Masaki. Yuka does the vocals and Masaki does the music and plays the guitar and all sorts of stuff. Now, it was an acoustic show and they performed at really big events and things like that. But sometimes they like to do a little more different shows. They were in a community center kind of place. It almost felt like a church. Um, and it was on the third floor and it, the floor was kind of rickety and it had clearly been there for a long time. And it was not set up really f- to be like a, a live house. So live houses is where a lot of people perform, maybe like the House of Blues or something like that, like a small club. Um, but we call them live houses. Live is Japanese English for like a, a concert or performance. Usually when you go to a show, you get tickets at convenience stores, or you get them by mail. E-tickets are kind of rare still in Japan, but they're slowly becoming more common. Now, one thing about this is that basically it was in Kyoto. It wasn't in the middle of nowhere. It was a little bit ways from the train station, and it's certainly not the kind of place that you would expect professional musicians to be performing, especially when I've seen them at much larger venues. And it's not really a place that's outfitted with the equipment necessary to do a show like this they brought everything in and they had everything set up and you know especially at the live house they'll have like a little a nice little stand that they can take the tickets on and they put them based on you know oh this one was purchased at family mart this one was purchased at 7-eleven whatever so they kind of divide everything up and they didn't really have any of the ability to do that so what do you do well they were actually using qr codes so the way it worked is and this is a fan club only event which was kind of cool but basically you would sign up on the fan club site you'd register for tickets and then they would send you a link and the link would ask you to log in with your fan club information and then it would show a page and basically it had a qr code and had your name and it had your what we call a seidi bangon your seidi bangon is your number that the order that you go in so they were calling you know a1 a2 a3 whatever and you would line up on the stairs to go inside well before you walked in there was a girl and she was standing there with what appeared to be just a standard iPhone and it was running a special app and she had the camera open within the app and you would put up your iPhone or your smartphone or whatever, you hold it up and she would scan the QR code, it would blink green on the screen and you'd walk inside and it would show that your ticket had been used, it would it would change on the screen there. And what I really found cool about this and it was great for people, you know, Moon Moon really tries to cater to a lot of different fans, especially ones who don't speak Japanese. 
And even though I'm kind of the only one I've ever seen who looks like me in Osaka, nonetheless, uh, what was really cool about the QR code thing is that it actually supported English as well. I, I flipped it. It had a little language selection. And then just to see what it looked like, I flipped it into English. So it's great. It allows people who maybe wouldn't normally have access or wouldn't normally have the ability to go see a show like this to be able to go see a show like this. And it also let them do it in a place where taking physical tickets might require more effort, saves them the hassle of having to track physical tickets. Um, you know, and that was a really cool thing in and of itself. But then also going up the stairs and I, I walked in and I sat down and I mean, small room, maybe 150 people at the most. But anyway, the, the person running the, the audio stuff, the audio guy, he was there and he was walking around inspecting things and checking mics and everything. And he was doing everything on an iPad. It looked like an air too. I couldn't quite tell, but he was controlling all the audio levels of their entire setup. They had basically a, a couple of MacBooks over to the side and they had everything hooked up through a couple of mixers and some big speakers. But it was, it was basically as acoustic as it can get. And he was walking around and just controlling everything with the iPad remotely, wirelessly. I was dying to walk over and be like, what are you using? What are you using? Um, there's two possibilities I kind of looked up. Um, there's one called the M-480 remote. There's also the Maki DL32R. I've got links in the show notes. Um, I don't know which one he was using, but still, it was really cool because it gave him more freedom to be able to control things remotely. It was really nice because... A show like this might normally require a lot more staff, at least two people, one person to kind of monitor things on one side, one person to monitor things on the other, or one person to do one set of controls, one person to do another set of controls. And he was able to do everything by himself on one iPad and do it remotely. He wasn't tethered to a cable or a table. He was able to walk around. And at one point, I actually caught him and Masaki. They were kind of sending hand and eye signals to each other. It's like, raise the, raise it, lower it, you know. And he would kind of walk around. He'd go to the back and kind of listen. Oh, yeah, I guess I should raise it up a bit. Maybe change the bass a little bit, you know. And it, it really gave him a lot more freedom. And I just thought... This is so cool. You know, they've used iPads in the past during some shows. Um, they've used them for beats or for DJing or stuff like that. Um, and they've always kind of been a little bit more willing to take chances, a little bit more willing to take risks when it comes to doing something different and maybe that other groups aren't. So I really hope you'll check them out. I, I thought it was a really great use of technology. And I'm just I'm looking forward to hopefully maybe in the future they'll do more shows like this. And so it's really hard to pick just a couple songs, but um, there's some great ones. Pride, Follow Me, Cinderella, Evergreen, Good Night, any of their stuff. Sunshine Girl is their big one. And and what's great and what really drew them to me originally was the fact that they both speak English, but Yuka is very good at English. Um, I've actually spoken with her a little bit in person in English at a fan club event, and she remembered me from Twitter. But anyway, uh, it's kind of hard to forget me, I guess. It's one of the perks of living in Japan and looking like me is that you, you kind of stand out and it, there's bad times when you stand up, but there's also really great times. And one great time is that at an event like this, it's easy for you to be remembered. And sometimes maybe people get a little jealous, but it's also like, yeah, but... I have to deal with a lot of other things in my daily life, so it kind of doesn't balance out, but it helps. Anyway, um, but check them out because she speaks English really well, and her English lyrics, unlike a lot of J-pop stuff, she nails it. I mean, she she just knows what she's talking about. Very rarely do you hear any weird English in her in her stuff. Maybe in some of her very, very early songs, there's a couple lines that are weird, but recently, I mean, it's just spot on, beautiful stuff. There's a great one, uh, Never Look Back, that's kind of bilingual. She used to do English versions, and now she tends to do more like bilingual stuff, but I'll link to a few of my favorites in the show notes. I really hope you'll check them out. They're a great way to get into J-pop, especially if you don't speak Japanese, because there's a lot of English songs too. 
And finally, I thought I'd share a nice write-up on ZoomingJapan.com about a rarity in SIM cards in Japan, a prepaid option for tourists, which includes a mobile phone number. Now, I think I've mentioned them before, but I was really happy to hear good things about this SIM card, and I thought I'd pass the link along. The service from Mobile, M-O-B-A-L, costs 4,000 yen for 15 days or 6,000 yen for 30 days. There's also a 3,000 yen charge for the SIM card, and shipping's free, even internationally. The plan includes 7 gigabytes of data and calls are only 29 yen per minute. It uses SoftBank's network and it can be activated from abroad. But if you travel to Japan regularly, the long-term plan is the way to go. It costs 6,000 yen per month or 4,000 per month if you're a student or a teacher or an intern. And both of these plans have a two-month minimum. But the great thing about the long-term plans is that they can be deactivated when you leave Japan. You can keep your SIM card and then you can reactivate them when you return. Unlike the short-term plans where the SIMs expire and you can only use them one time. Having a dedicated SIM card would be perfect for people who spend a few months in Japan every year, or maybe who are attending a language school for a few months, and it seems like a really great setup. Plus, the author has a fantastic write-up of their experiences with the SIM, so if you're interested, check out the link to Zooming Japan's article in the show notes. That'll about do it for this week. You know, there are so many cafes and things. They're always popping up. I'm always tempted to, oh, I want to talk about this one. I want to talk about that one. I, I try to limit it a little bit. Same with J-Pop. I, I try to limit it a little bit. But from time to time, I mean, it is, I'm a geek. So I tend to talk about other things besides tech. So I hope you find some of it interesting. And if not, listen to it again. No. <laughs> Anyway, for now, if you can, please subscribe in Overcast or Pocket Cast or whatever podcast app you choose. It sure means a whole lot to me. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts. And if you could rate or review the show, it'd really help out. It would help out discovery and getting the word out there. And you can find the show notes for this episode at platypuspodcast.com slash geek slash 15, which is also where you're going to find links to all of my social media. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, topics, or you just want to chat about anything, especially Big Brother, I'd love to hear from you. Please tweet them at me on Twitter at KDDayo with the hashtag ZDaiGeekDayo so I can find them. Until next week, bye-bye! ZDaiGeekDayo is a Platypus Podcast production.